As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. We are moving on to verse 9 of John chapter 15. We've been in verses 1 to 8 for a few weeks now. uh, And uh, over the next few weeks we'll be uh, looking into verses 9 to 17. And we are continuing our series on what it means uh, to be a Christian community, on the different aspects uh, and characteristics of the Christian community. Uh, And as we do so, I thought it was worth just remembering that these are defining characteristics for the Christian community. They are not um, optional things that we might uh, pick and choose and have one of and and not the other. Uh, These are fundamental to what it means to be a church. Uh, And so as we look today at what it means to be a community of care, a community of people who love one another, it's worth remembering that if we cease to love one another, we cease to be a church. Whatever else may be going on, however many people may be coming along, love for each other defines the church. So how can we continue to love one another? How can we grow in our love for one another? There are three aspects uh, that I want to draw out uh, about our love for each other from Jesus's words here. And the first is that love is received from Jesus and then it is given to others. Or if you like, we love from fullness, from the fullness of Christ's love for us, rather than for fullness in order to receive love from others. Look uh, at verse 9 where Jesus begins. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. We follow Jesus, and he himself first received the Father's love, and then, in the fullness of that love, loved his disciples. And he calls us to remain in his love as the first thing before we go on to love each other. We must remain in the love of Jesus if we are to love one another. And not uh, simply in a uh, 
one-off, we have recognized that Jesus loved us and then we go from there. But actually on a daily basis of remaining in the love of Christ, of receiving his love for us in order to love others. It's a bit like the difference between a watering can and a hose. A watering can might be uh, full to the brim uh, and it can pour out water, but then eventually at some point it is empty and that is it. But the hose, on the other hand, is, is connected to a tap. It has a continuous supply of water going through it. And as long as it is connected to the tap, it can continue watering the garden uh, for as long as is needed. Trying to love others without first receiving Christ's love is like being a watering can. We may have certain reserves of our own. We may have certain natural affection for others. We may get on with them well. But then, eventually, as we pour out our love, we will find that we run dry, that we hit our limits, that we can no longer give anymore. But if we remain in Christ's love we are connected to an inexhaustible supply of love all the time. And so when we reach the end of our reserves, we find that there is no end to his reserves. We are connected to his inexhaustible love and therefore we are enabled to share that with others. We love from fullness rather than for fullness. And that protects us from certain dangers as we seek to love each other. You see, if we try to love others for fullness, we'll then be dependent on their positive response to our love in order to keep on going. We, we may need their gratitude or their gifts, their thankfulness in some way. But then how do we love the person who seems eternally ungrateful for what we do? What happens when the person that we are loving is unable to respond for some reason, perhaps because of illness or some other reason? What do we do then? What do we do at that point? The likelihood is that we will give up, perhaps out of frustration that we're never getting a response, that our love is never recognized, that we're never being thanked for what we give. Or another danger may be that we fall into the trap of manipulative love, giving or withholding love in order to get what we want from people rather than giving them what they need. But, but that is not really love for each other. That's a form of loving ourselves. But when we first receive love from Christ... We are guarded against these dangers. We don't need to manipulate others to give us their approval because in Christ we have his unending approval. We're strengthened to keep on loving the ungrateful person or the person who has grown unable to respond because we are receiving love from Christ first. So as we seek to love one another and grow as a community of care, our first step must be to daily receive the love of Christ and to remain in his love. 
Secondly, as we love one another, we find that love takes our life and gives us joy. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Now that is what Jesus did. He is not asking us to do something that he himself uh, was unwilling to do. He has supremely demonstrated the truth of his own words as he has laid down his life for us on the cross. But the fact is that love leads us to die again and again. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. And so we must, of course, be connected to the love of Christ or we will shrink back from the cost of loving others. But it may be that as we think of laying down our life, as we think of the cost of love, that, that we think, well, that, that must mean we need to say yes to everyone who asks us for anything. Surely if it's going to cost us, well, we're just going to be sacrificing and giving up everything. But, but the cost of love may sometimes come in saying no rather than yes. Say someone asks you to help out with an evangelistic Bible study at church. What could be more loving than to say yes to that? But what if that means that actually that colleague at work who is just completely exhausted and who you've been supporting, what if that means that you actually don't have the time to go and encourage them and support them and love them? What if it means that you don't have the time to see your family because you're out for yet another evening that week? The competing demands of different people that we love mean that in order to love others well, we must sometimes say no to things that would be good. And that might be to the cost of our reputation as someone who is always willing to help, always ready to give a hand. It might be the death of our own feeling of of being wanted or important or significant. After all, saying that one evening you went and chatted with a friend rather than, yes, I helped out with an evangelistic Bible study at church, it may not sound quite so impressive. And yet actually, that may be the path of loving someone and loving others. The cost may be to our energy as we give up our time. The cost may be financial, as we sacrifice perhaps a summer holiday to pay for someone else, a young person maybe, to go on a Christian summer camp for their growth in faith. It may cost us because we don't gain anything directly from it. There are many things that go on at St. Andrews and and maybe we we hear the notices and if it's not directly relevant to us, we discount it. Perhaps uh, we have heard about the parenting course this morning and we're not parents, so we just, why would we go to that? But maybe, maybe going along to some of those sessions could be a means of loving other parents in the church better by learning how we can encourage them in their parenting. Maybe uh, we hear about the retirement courses and think, well, I'm far away from being retired. There's no point in me going along to that. But maybe, maybe going along to one of those 
would be a means of knowing better how to love those in the church who are retired. There might be no direct benefit to us. That might be the cost of loving each other. Loving one another does take our life, but it also gives us joy. Look at verses 10 to 12. Jesus says, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Do you see Jesus' logic? Obeying his commands means that we remain in his love and that leads to our joy being made complete. And his command is that we love each other. So loving one another is a way to our joy being made complete. Loving one another gives us joy as we die and lay down our life. It's the same logic of Hebrews 12 where we're told that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Perhaps the the cost and the death of losing your summer holiday will be countered by the joy of seeing young people come back renewed in their faith and more in love with Jesus. Perhaps the the cost of our energy uh, as we look after uh, children will be countered by the joy of knowing that that is what God has called us to do. Perhaps the cost of that afternoon when you go along to the parenting course or the retirement course or whatever it is, is countered by the joy of them coming along on a Sunday and being able to encourage someone with what you learned from that. Now the joy may not come from the person that you are loving. After all, Paul reminds us that it was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. His joy in enduring the cross did not come immediately from the people that he was loving in doing that. In fact, his joy won't be complete until the new creation when everyone redeemed by his death is gathered before the throne of God. He is still waiting for the completion of his joy. But, Jesus says, it is his joy that comes to us. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. And so it will be an even greater joy because it comes from his inexhaustible supply. So we receive love from Jesus in order to love each other. And then loving one another takes our life, but it gives us joy. And finally, as we love one another, it looks churchward, but shows worldward. But by that I mean that we don't have to choose between doing mission and loving one another, as if there are some people who need to go out and tell people about Jesus, and then there are others who stay behind and, and care for each other in the church. That The two uh, don't, shouldn't be divided. Loving each other is one way of doing mission. Look at verses 16 and 17. You did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Go and bear fruit, 
love each other. Jesus says both in quick succession and, and doesn't seem to see any tension between the two. Loving each other is one of the ways by which we go and bear fruit. Our love for each other looks inward to each other, but it shows outwards to the world. But that means that the world needs to be able to see our love for each other. It means they need to, to be at the gatherings that, that we have here on a Sunday or at our house groups or, or wherever it might be. Do, do people see our love for each other? Do, do your friends get the opportunity to see Christians loving one another during the week? Are we giving them the opportunity? Do, do we invite them to Sunday services, not simply because it might be a, a particular evangelistic service, but, but actually so that they can see Christians loving each other, not just hear of the love of Christ, but then see it embodied in our relationships. Perhaps Christian, uh, non-Christian friends could come along to your house group and see how you love one another in that situation. The difference that is there compared to other groups that they might be part of. Of course, there has to be a difference. But do they have the chance to see us loving one another and therefore by seeing that, seeing the love of Christ? I close with this story told by Ajith Fernando, a Sri Lankan uh, pastor, about how loving others can demonstrate the love of Christ and transform lives. He says, the evangelist Rodney Smith served with the Wesleyan mission in Manchester in the 1900s. One of the women in that ministry, Mary, frequently requested prayers for the conversion of her husband, John. Sadly, she also had a terrible temper. So her husband would say, well, Mary, if that is your religion, I don't want it. One day, Rodney Smith talked to Mary and said she must learn to overcome her temper. He assured her Christ would give the grace to enable her to curb her habits. You see, receiving the love of Christ rather than working in her own strength. Well, one day, Mary had just put in a new carpet and ceiling lamp. John, her husband, not knowing, came home with something on his shoulder. As he turned into the hallway, he hit the lamp and it all came crashing down. He braced for his wife's usual response. But instead, his wife simply said, never mind, husband, it's all right. We can get another lamp. Amazed, John asked, Mary, what's the matter? She replied, oh, my dear, I have trusted Jesus to calm me of my temper. After years of prayer, her husband was converted that day. You see, as we receive and remain in Christ's love and are transformed by that love and then go and love others, they see not just that love, they see the love of Christ and they want that for themselves. So we remain in the love of Christ 
We lay down our lives for each other. And we let other people see us loving each other so that they too can be transformed by Christ's love. Amen.